Voices of Hope is a podcast of New Hope Presbyterian Church in Castle Rock, Colorado. New Hope is a church that puts people first. Our Sunday worship is on site and online at 9.30 a.m. And you can listen to our sermons and podcasts on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and any popular podcast platforms. This week, Pastor Don brings us a very special sermon in two parts. One part talking about the atonement theories and what it means, and then a part where we kind of ask the congregation their thoughts on what they just heard around the atonement and uh, the atonement of what Christ did on the cross and what it means for our lives. The scripture comes from 1 Corinthians 1, 1 through 2. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 1 through 2. Paul, called to be an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, and our brother Sosthenes, to the church of God that is in Corinth, to those who are sanctified in Christ Jesus, calls to be saints, together with all those who in every place call in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, both their Lord and ours. Friends, something a little different this morning. I hope you've handed out to you a sheet by our ushers, greeters. It's called The Richness of the Cross. Putting this up for our streamers as well. A little uh, 15, 20 minutes of me taking us through most of this, and then some prayer and offering and music, uh, and then some conversation amongst us with questions you'll see at the very bottom of the back page. This morning, a little permission giving that you might think, I've never thought that about the cross. The theme is atonement, by the way. That's the theological heavy word. I think of it as at-one-ment. It's how we're repaired and put back one with God. There's a number of different models. That may be a strange word for you to hear from the church as well, but historically there's been a number of different ways of understanding what is God up to with crucifixion and resurrection. What did that 2,000 years ago have to do with us today? Some of what follows will be very familiar, maybe a lot of it. Some of it will be a little new um, for how to think about atonement. Here's some biases I think we should have going in as we assess. We should be thinking about this. Is the model orthodox and Christian, or are we just making it up? (laughs) I love freedom and creativity. We've got a lot of that in the room. I feel obligated as your PCUSA pastor to say, I want to anchor this in what's gone before. Who else has said this about this? Where is it found in scripture Uh, to make that tradition come to? It's, It's my contention that our rich tradition has not been explored enough, that in fact today you're going to go, oh, I've always kind of wondered that, but I've kept it to myself, or I've not liked that model and never said so, giving you some permission for a much broader, uh, plural sense of our tradition and where we come from regarding what's up at the cross. Does it have scriptural heft? Uh, I want it to lead to deeper engagement. I want to make it uh, so that you pick up your Bible and think, really? I better go check that out. And then this third piece, does the model encourage, and this is really important to me as an educator, does the model do more than just reiterate what we were told in fourth grade? Does it lead to deeper discipleship is what I'm especially invested in. Uh, The way to think about this is what's the problem? 
What follows are A through F. There's really six models I'm lifting up for us this morning. I've got them A through F. We'll keep on reiterating those. They're rather recursive, repetitive, so that by the end you go, oh, I get where these questions come from, what the concerns are, and a great place to start is, what's our problem? Uh, all, all of these, very likely. <laughs> but whatever you're feeling this morning or your own tendency, is it you're weak? We're crushed, exhausted? We need help? There's forces inside of us and outside of us. You'll find this especially, right, in the Psalms that build us up, in the lamentations that echo with us to say, I'm beat up. It's not happening, Lord. The Old Testament stories of might, all, all your least favorite stories in the Old Testament of violence and warfare are really on this theme of God is on our side. God will lift us up even when the numbers are against us. Jesus and his disciples. The, the problem is what we need is an advocate. The problem is what I need is strength. Second, or is the problem more for you, we're sinful, and God can't accept us this way. We're sinful and imperfect. God needs pleasing, and we're unqualified. We need to confess, admit our futility. We can't get it right ourselves. And we find this, this whole sense of B, the second option here, is based in the Old Testament tradition of the temple. Uh, when, and some of us accidentally refer to this as an altar. <laughs> it's a communion table. We're very clear about that because we're trying to move away from God is angry and we need to make a sacrifice uh, to clear, the, uh, clear our slate. All right? Um, more on this in a minute. Uh, this is based on, on Hebrews especially that talks about Christ being the priest for us who sacrifices himself for us. Uh, this is based on the purity tradition of the Old Testament. We need to go to the priest. We need to go get cleansed anytime this happens so we can be made right to come into church. I'll just highlight now, much more on this in a minute, that Jesus argues against this and Paul argues against it. <laughs> it doesn't match up with what they believe to be true about us and God. But it is a huge piece of our tradition. Is the problem we're clueless? Any given morning, yes. <laughs> We need guidance. This is all the wisdom books, the great teaching. Jesus owned all Jesus' parables. If you've ever said, you know, I don't know about the Jesus story, but I love him as a teacher, this is your gig. That's what we need Jesus for. So we need Paul for correct thinking. The problem, we're captive. We're trapped in bad patterns, addictions, etc. We turn to Exodus. We find in Exodus, God is a God who frees us, fights on our side to uh, be released. Gospels interpret Jesus as a new Moses in this same way, arguably. Paul, woe unto me, I do the things I don't want to do. I don't do the things I should do. Who can help me? Uh, he's captive. Is the problem we're lost, we're confused, existentially adrift? Again, many of us share this. We're short on meaning in our lives. The story of the Old Testament exile, we've lost our way. We used to be uh, in the promised land, now we don't know where we are. Um, Jesus and Paul both uh, have this sense of finding our way with God. Here's what they're teaching us, how to be a better disciple, how to find our way. Is the problem, we're egocentric. N news, spoiler alert, yes, that's our problem. It's one of our problems. Some of us have different stages in our lives. We're especially keenly aware of this. And what we need, since we can't uh, let go of the false self, is we need in the gospel story of Jesus going to the cross, etc. Uh, we need a Lord to 
take us out of ourselves that we might be redeemed, um, made more humane, more human. Here's another way of looking at this. Here's another way. What's your favorite prayer? I'm at the bottom of the first page. Our hope, motivation. And I'm aware as I read through these, they've all been me at one point, but there also might be, I can see different stages in my life when different ones of these have rung more true. Annie Lamott, favorite author of mine, says, help me is her favorite prayer. (laughs) Not terribly complex, help me. Um, One of the first things we teach our kids, our God is so big, we're back to the strength issue. God can conquer, right? It's a problem, forgive me. I feel ashamed, I've done wrong things, I need forgiving. Is the issue, teach me. I found this much more in my 20s and 30s. I want Jesus to be that mentor who teaches. Is the problem to free me? I need a full life. I don't think anyone under 20 gets this. The sense of stuckness, of captivity, of the things in my own life that have made me captive to stuff that I don't want to be a captive. I need God. Um, show me. Be exa- I I want to be like Jesus Christ, and I know what that entails in terms of giving of myself, sacrificially giving for my family, etc. Decenter me. Now, I think this rings true for a lot of us. It's also not something I hear from folks under 30 or 40, frankly. It takes, it takes having been captive for a decade or two by your own ego <laughs> to come and realize, help me, Jesus, means get me out of the way. All right, so here's the models. Reiterating again, it's these same six in flow, A through F. Here's another deeper uh, dive in these. How is it then that God addresses each of these problems through cross and resurrection? These first three models are traditionally known as uh, king, priest, and prophet. Uh, Christ the conqueror is the first one. It's traditional. God is going to win in the end. The meaning of resurrection is uh, not even death can keep God down. Uh, Christus victor is what this called. Um, we remember that Christ is king. We celebrate this in our liturgical year. We grow by affirming God's victory over evil, even in our own lives. And then Easter, we get it. It seems like death has won, like evil wins in your life too, but Easter we say, There's a new beginning. Really important stuff. Uh, We find this, by the way, uh, I have a note to myself about worship. All these are found in worship. Often our opening songs are in this victor category. Uh, Praise ye the Lord Almighty, the King of creation. It's creation, it's victorious. It's don't forget, God is Lord of all. Here's the second piece. Sacrifices for us. This is Christ as priest, and in this case, if you think about this, Christ is lamb as well. The sacrifice that happens uh, is substitution. Here's your technical piece that's both maybe new to you and what I believe is the central doctrine of conventional Christianity, maybe to an error. You deserve to burn in hell. That's how screwed up you are. You deserve condemnation. You should be on the cross. Instead, God killed his son. If that sounds abrupt to you, I'd encourage you to to look around at the Christianity we've been raised in. It's called substitutionary atonement. 
When we say Jesus died for my sins, this is what we mean. It's the bumper sticker version of Christianity. Why are you a Christian? Because Jesus died for my sins, right? We just sang a wonderful song. I love uh, uh, the tradition in our church. Whenever there's blood in the song, we get here a lot during Holy Week, the sense of sacrifice, uh, he died for me. Da, 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 da. It's a celebration of what's been done for me at the cross. Beautiful. A key component of our tradition. Uh, substitutionary atonement is what that's called. It's a little technical, I know. Um, that's from a guy named Anselm in the early centuries. Jesus sets an example for us. See, Calvin called this the prophetic role. He teaches us how to live. You read Jesus, you hear the stories, you learn about loving others, faith and justice. What John Calvin said 500 years ago is these three have to be kept in balance for a healthy Christology and a healthy understanding of what's going on at the cross. My contention this morning is we're not even close to a healthy balance. That pretty much, I'm going to ask you in a few minutes, pretty much what we're exposed to is substitutionary atonement. We spend little time talking about the victory, the strength, or about this prophetic role, the teaching role. Here's some 20th century add-on models. I'm on D. Uh, Christ liberates us. We're freed again. We can die to our old ways. That's what happens at the cross. We can be, Paul says, we're a new creation. Forget talking about sacrifice, Paul says. That happened. Now by grace you've been saved now live like it, right? Paul would say, we always get it backwards. We always keep thinking law. I've got to say this certain thing. I've got to believe this certain thing to be accepted. Paul says, no, you've got that exactly backwards. Grace is first. You deserve nothing. You've done nothing. I don't care what you said. It's all in Jesus Christ. Now that you've been saved, a new creation, hey, let's talk about uh, living like the new body of Christ. Guides us. If you have a philosophical bent to your faith, like some of us do, you're going to like E. You're going to like this. You've already thought this before. Well, I don't know about the whole crucifixion thing, but boy, I love reading about the stories of Jesus, and I love reading about the parables, and I like reading Romans. This is the philosophical bent of guidance. Um, last one, if you're a psychological sense. I know I've got to get over myself. The way you get over yourself is by you internalize the cross. And you say, I am Christ. I'm just like Jesus. I need to take up my cross and follow him. I need to die to myself multiple times a day. This is arguably using the whole Jesus cycle as much as any one of his teachings to say, this is what happens in atonement. All right. Lastly, before we do our other break and then come back then, how does this work in practice, these models? A through F again, one through six. By now, I hope you're thinking, oh, I recognize this, or this is brand new to me, or I see I've been emotionally, spiritually invested in this model, and maybe some are a total surprise. Or I'm hoping by now you're thinking, I have had a problem with that for a while. I have excluded that maybe intentionally from my own prayer life, our own sense of self, uh, maybe for some good reason. Here we go. I love Christ the victor. I love the power of God. I love affirming our God is so big, so strong, and so mighty. It's a really important message for me to remember. Um, and it doesn't work sometimes, right? Maybe this is just the, pastor, the pastoral counselor, uh, thank you, uh, talking. Um, I never use 
A when someone's in tears in my office. Don't worry, God's in control. Don't worry, it all works out in the end. I mean, those two sentences are true. Not personally, they're not. When you're in hell, you don't say, ignore what you're going through. Someday it'll be better. So we get this. There's a, there's a triumphalism that we celebrate Easter morning, yes, and that we, we play as loving people, I hope, very cautiously to those around us, lest we deny their reality. And then arguably, I'm on B, arguably, this is the whole paragraph, the reason for this morning's exercise. In my experience of 40 years in ministry, substitutionary atonement, thinking about Jesus died because of what you did, and you deserve God's damnation, but luckily, if you say, I accept Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, you'll be excused. Um, I find that it invites a cycle of shame and guilt, a never-ending cycle of confession and relief. I don't find that it effectively changes behavior. I find people reiterating it because their parents and pastors told them. As a counselor, I've come to realize that shame and guilt are horrible motivators. In fact, the majority of people who meet come to me are, I need liberating from my tradition. I'm captive because I've been burdened under shame and guilt all my life. I need out. And so I skip down to a couple different models. What can Jesus do for you on the cross? Does this model, it does, fight against God's unconditional love? I find this deeply problematic. God doesn't love you unconditionally. God will love you if you acknowledge this, 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 and, and right onto a 2,000-year-old sense of the temple sacrifice, blood running off the altar. Strange. Impossible in many ways. Am I ever enough? Uh, this, by, by the way, I think this whole thing goes against what Jesus teaches. <laughs> and that's, for me, the fatal flaw in this. Jesus says, God loves you. Jesus says, you're the younger brother, wait, younger, you're the, you're, the, you're the younger brother, the no good, who doesn't deserve anything, and the father still runs to you. That's Jesus' teaching, right? Jesus, while his son was still a long ways off, before his son could fall on his knees, uh, forgive me, for, I'm not worthy to be called. Jesus teaches unconditional love. This model preaches perfectly conditional love. As a teacher, I'm tired. It's really hard to keep those in tension. Paul, of course, is extremely offended by this model. It puts law before grace. Uh, and I have bold here, is it real and lived? Um, I've known a couple thousand, and we're, we're getting closer. I've known a couple thousand Christians in my life well enough to say this. That's from multitude of congregations and friends and Presbyterian connections. I've never met anybody... Dad, this is for you. My 101-year-old father said the other day regarding what's coming. He says, yeah, I've never, I've never really gotten what Jesus dying on the cross has to, has to do with how I live. And I thought to myself, this guy's been in churches longer than anybody here by a long shot. If he doesn't get it, we've got an education problem, folks. 
I've never met anybody, anybody, who ever believes has done something worthy of death. I don't spend any time in prison. Some of us may have. You've, I've been sheltered. I get it. I've known a handful who have been in jail. Never anyone, anyone who really believes, unless they're kind of reiterating what they're supposed to believe from Sunday school, that they've done something worthy of death, let alone eternal burning and damnation. Wow. That, that's, a, that's a problem. If we showed hands, a lot of us in this room don't believe in hell as a place of torment and judgment. We've had to make this really tough adjustment because no one's teaching us about our tradition. We've had to make this tough adjustment good. I believe in hell in our own lives. Trust me, I've spent enough time with all of you to believe in hell, not the fiery torment, eternal damnation. I don't buy it. That's, that's a problem. It's part of our tradition. I'm with Calvin. I want to keep it in balance. It's part of who we are, how we celebrate, how we metaphorically sing. Absolutely. By the way, and this here I'm showing my complete pastoral bias. Um, you don't need to share. I've had too much time sitting in my office with people whose lives are falling apart uh, because their sons got cancer. And I can't bring myself to any longer say, well, God would kill his own son to make a point. I, I, I won't, I don't anymore. Um, what I need, is this is the theodicy problem. If we posit a God who's trying to teach us a lesson and so intentionally kills his own son, and as Marcus Borg, uh, Russ's favorite theologian, as Marcus Borg says, this notion that from the start of time, God saw this problem and couldn't love us, but that he planned to send his son, and here's orthodoxy coming right at you, beware, and that he sent his son and had to have him killed on a cross and raised him again and can't love us and accept us unless we believe that, Borg calls incredible. He means that as not credible. I don't find it a lived reality. I, I know what you're thinking. That's what I've got, Pastor. That's what they taught me. I'm asking you to put it in perspective um, with Calvin's caution. And in a minute, I'll ask you. Uh, see, let's move on. Sets the example. I love this reading the story. It's very cognitive. Um, that's certainly where I live. I want something more from Jesus as well. This if, if substitutionary atonement has never worked for me in terms of my interaction with a couple thousand Christians, I'll say this, that regarding D, the liberation, the exodus model, what Christ says, it's never not worked for me. I don't know any person ever I've met who hasn't at some level said, what I need is freeing. I'm stuck. I'm stuck. That's Jesus' language. That's what Jesus gives for us. That's how God's helping us through Jesus Christ. Um, incarnational, the wisdom, yes, 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 following him to the cross, dying to self. There's a richness to our tradition, and I fear and believe that we've been remarkably narrow in how we've translated that and brought it forward. Uh, Calvin warned us about this 500 years ago in daily practice I find it problematic and want to just give us some permission to say, wow, here's what our tradition really teaches, the breadth of what's happening on the cross and with resurrection. And if you've got 
problems with some of these, I want to tell you, you're in good company. Let God's word speak through you. Let the tradition and our scripture and our liturgy help inform as you come to appreciate, maybe in a new way, maybe in an old way too, what God's accomplishing and what it means today. Amen. All right, Jordan's going to grab the microphone. We can go to the next slide. Just a few minutes here together um, on any of these you want. Uh, which of these models are most familiar to you? Uh, is there something that's new? Uh, which rings more appropriate? I got thing of this this week. Where is the role of love? Uh, if the model doesn't have a lot of love in it, I've got some issues. And, or maybe, how should we explain the cross? If you've got a reflection on any one of those, or first reflection after, re it's a lot of material, I know. I don't do this lightly. I didn't want to give it just to a Bible study with 20 of us. Uh, that's how important I think this material is. So I wanted us to have a, a corporate understanding of it. Take a chance, someone. Of, of course, what a surprise. I love it. Yeah. I think lost simply because um, after three years of uh, not really interacting with everybody and not being in my usual uh. job and my usual um, social contacts, COVID really uh, blasted me out of <laughs> my place in life. So, so lost works for me <laughs> at this point. I didn't catch your last comment, so... I got the up to everything of the last line. Lost. Lost. I exact, exact, fair enough. But it is a great question coming out of the isolation of COVID, who we are as a faith community. Uh, over here, Jordan, we got Tracy. This for me has been eye-opening and has helped kind of explain because often I feel like I'm in the lost area, but then it really, lost really covers all of those. And so to look at them and figure out, okay, which, what am I really in right now? And be able to discern which one of these it is helps prayer life, helps you know what to do and all of that, rather than it just being this, this glob of not understanding what's <laughs> happening. For me, this really kind of helped separate the different stages that we're in. All right. I think that's good. I think that speaks to, a, again, a pluralism that can match us where we are. Some others? I know. You're young. You can do this. John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only son didn't kill his only son oh, from that good standpoint i never thought of it as killing his son he gave his son as a as a sacrifice for all of us so love is critical in my mind all right and good reading of john there's the there's the verse that's on all our placards and our sporting events that is the central piece we've gone to a lot of material did I just stun you into silence it wouldn't be the first time 
Uh, Smokey's got something. There's several areas that aren't covered for me, like the role of just being in the God's presence. Just being in God's presence. And to me, that's the heart of my life with God and in the Christ. That's it. Just being in Christ with no theology, really, other than my experience of the Christ in the moment, which is usually has to do with love and uh, trying to be aware. And so theology, I like to skip it. <laughs> theology, I like to skip it. Oh, that we, I, I wish that was an option sometimes. There's a, a, so a very kind of Eastern, almost Buddhist of presence. This is what we do. What we need from Jesus and God is to be in their, in their loving presence. Yeah, Nate's got something back. The model that resonates with me is uh, Jesus as a prophet, as an example. Um, I think when you look at the whole story of this carpenter who shows up and just drops wisdom bombs like <laughs> throughout his whole life and just goes against the religious authority and kind of turns everything upside down on its head, it's like that sort of life that speaks most to me and I think is the most compelling aspect of mm -hmm. Jesus' life. It's just the way that he showed us truth and what justice really looks like and what love really looks like because a lot of what we see in here back then and even now is just not true. It's unreal. Mm -hmm. And I think Jesus holds up and shows us through his life what is real. Beautiful. And I'm, I'm suddenly thinking of this as Nate's great love for children and youth and what we'd want to pass on to them. Uh, wow. And I was, I was thinking you were going to add, and the high cost of that teaching, <laughs> he comes and sets a whole new piece of truth before us. doesn't always go that well. Um, thank you. Any others? Someone's going to ask you on the way home or at brunch across the table, what was all that crucifixion stuff about? What's God up to? Or what does it have to, what does it have to do with you sitting in here in 2023? George, so it was George Washington or it wasn't George who cut down the cherry tree? Who cares? What's the connection? At this point, you talk about honesty or integrity and telling the truth. Yeah, all right, all right. I feel like those links are sometimes missing uh, with our sometimes not well thought out and certainly not well grounded teaching about the cross. <laughs> Let me say a prayer and then we'll close in song. Gracious and loving God, we come to you uh, with an appreciation of mystery for this wonderful story, for this great event for the hope of resurrection, not just then, but now. <laughs> Lord, I, I know you're in the mountains and in the flowers and in history. I need you in my car. <laughs> I need you walking with me on the trail. I need that awareness of your gifts for us, your daring sacrificial giving for us, um, the family love that ties us together as disciples. 
help us take forward this wonderful tradition you've given us that those with whom we interact might also see at this cross, at this empty tomb, a sense of what could be possible in their lives today. Amen. Thank you for listening to Voices of Hope. If you have enjoyed our podcast, please rate and review it and share it with your friends. If you want to know more about New Hope, you can subscribe to our weekly email newsletter, The Midweek Memo, by going to our website and signing up. Friends, may you love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and may you go and love your neighbor as yourself. Go in peace.